So they have taken away hair washing, uh, hair coloring, all these uh, shelves with products you have in traditional saloons that have just been cutting it out. And that makes you being super focused on this one thing you do. And you also get much lower uh, investment costs in your stores. uh, And there's so many positive things you get out of it. Mm. Uh, So they were, I mean, you have something called... Uh, I think it's called Blue Ocean, Blue Ocean Strategy, which is about creating your own market within an already existing market. Uh, and one way you can do it is basically to cut out, cut out almost everything you traditionally do in that business. And by only focusing on one thing, you can scale and expand inside that business without going into direct competition with everyone else. And that's why I think they, or it's one of the reasons why they succeeded in Japan. Uh, so we just taught that, okay, let's just try to do something similar. Uh, And I think that's also a very good advice for people thinking about starting their own company. Uh, I mean, you don't have to invent the wheel every time you want to do something new. You can just look to other countries, let yourself be inspired by things that are working, uh, and then just try it out. Uh, And that's what we did, and uh, it worked out really good. Welcome to episode 149. When I moved to Finland four years ago, I couldn't help but notice this hair salon brand called Cutters. Not because I need to go to the hairdresser. There are very few hair left on my head, I would say. But because it was shining out. And so in today's episode, I had the privilege to interview Cutter's founder, Christian Solheim, a Norwegian guy. And let me tell you some of his achievements. He founded Cutter's in 2015 and successfully opened and managed more than 140 fully owned salons across five different countries with a team of over 500 hairdressers. He's grown the company from an ID on the paper to an annual revenue of 400 million in eight years. He effectively managed the challenges of the pandemic and strategically closed operations and salon in two countries before reopening them after. We're talking about that in our conversation. He led an exit process and sold a part of Cutters to a Swedish private equity company in August, 2019. He won several awards including EY Entrepreneur of the Year. And recently, he moved himself out of the CEO positions and now sits on the board. So if you want to hear some insights about learning from the experiences of others, surrounding yourself with people who are doing what you want to achieve, streamlining your operations, building a team, and capitalizing on unique opportunities, I suggest you sit down and tune in. Oh, and don't forget to log on my website and download the bottleneck index. Christian's bottleneck score was pretty good at 25%. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, Christian. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hello. Thank you for having me. Good. So let's go directly into the topic. You've got a very interesting uh, profile because, you know, after more than eight years of running your business and, I mean, successfully running your business, you just stepped out as the CEO 
and moved into a board member position. Why, why is that? Uh, I think it's a natural, uh, or at least it was a natural step for me after uh, been working on this for eight years. Mm. Uh, so it took one year to find uh, a new CEO. Uh, so that new person started now for, um, yeah, as you mentioned, one, one month ago. Uh, mm -hmm. so now it's been one month where I've been sitting in the board. Uh, so it's obviously different, uh, but you still try to, you basically just try to help the company, but you work in a different way. Uh, yeah. But it's also been quite nice because then you have, I've, I haven't had time for these eight years to reflect that much uh, as I've been doing now. So I think uh, you're able to see the company in a different way actually when you're not working operationally in it every day. So uh, ask me uh, in half a year how, how uh, it has turned out, but, uh, but so far, uh, really good. Nice. But, but you said it took you one year uh, to find someone. So I guess the process, at least thinking about it in your head, you studied, you studied that process like longer, uh, a, while, a while longer than that. Can you take us through the process of, you know, when did you know it was time to step out? Because I'm sure there are a lot of entrepreneurs uh, hesitating right now. So it would, be, it would be good to hear your advice. Mm. I don't know if it's like one point that is the right point, but mm. uh, I mean, one, one of the uh, challenges for entrepreneurs uh, is obviously first to get the business working. But if you are that lucky and also skilled and successful in actually uh, creating a successful company and scaling it up. Uh, you also have to be able to scale up yourself. Um, and it's very different leading a team of five people uh, where basically everyone is just doing everything until having 500 people. Uh, mm. It's like two totally different worlds. Uh, and if you want to stay in the CEO role uh, during that time, you also have to grow. Uh, so you have to change the way you are and you have to learn all the things that you don't know from before. Uh, so I've been doing this journey now for eight years, started with just me and my co-founder. We did everything ourselves, and then just adding more and more people. Uh, and now for some years, having over 500 uh, really good people in the company. So it's been also a huge transition for me, uh, changing from only being this entrepreneur doing everything yourself to actually being more uh, a leader of a huge team. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've been doing all these things now and uh, at some point, uh, at least what I figured out and we, we figured out was that, uh, okay, now it's quite big. Uh, I've been doing this for many years. Uh, let's take the next step. Uh, let's go over to the board, uh, helping from the board. Let's bring in another person uh, that can sit uh, as a CEO uh, that has a lot of experience working with big teams uh, that can do this type of work. And that's this is not like a typical uh, entrepreneur job. It's like two totally different jobs. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's also why it's so common that uh, entrepreneurs, they don't, 
it's very common that they don't stay as a CEO when the company gets so many people, either because they actually don't like it, they don't want to do it, they want to do the entrepreneur things, uh, or that uh, they just don't manage to do it. Uh, so I feel that I've been able uh, now to do both things, and it's been really cool. Uh, but eventually it was uh, the right time to let someone else take over. Uh, and obviously it was a long process because we wanted to have uh, a person that could really take the job and take it to the next level. So we wanted yeah. it to be the right, the right person. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's been a process, um, but uh, I both think, um, and I'm also quite sure that it will be the right thing. Uh, but let's see in, uh, in half a year how it's been going. Yeah, you mentioned something really important. You said, you know, as the company grows, your role has to evolve. And this is one of the bottlenecks I tackle, the fact that as an entrepreneur, you don't, you don't evolve your role. But what I hear also often from people in your position is that they feel that they have reached their limits and that they are not the right person to take the company to the next stage of growth. Is that, is that also your case? I think it's maybe a mix of having done the same thing for a long time. Right. Uh, and also, because if if you think that someone else can do, and I think that's been the case all the time, right? Uh, you start and then you add some people because you think they can, because you can't do everything yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a natural, at least it was for me, like a natural phase with all the positions. You bring in a CTO because you want to, do more on the tech side and you can't do everything yourself and you're not an expert uh, and then you bring in a cfo because you're not an expert on that and you want to have more competence on that and then you bring in uh, someone on hr etc and then eventually you bring in someone on uh, the ceo role to take it to the next step also so i think it's, in all the roles i think it's about finding someone that you think can do that specific job really good mm. and making yourself sort of uh yeah I, I mean it's about letting other people take all of your jobs uh that's sort of how i've been trying to look at this actually from day one i always want to have other people that i can find that is even better than me doing their specific jobs and roles uh, and i'm building a team around that absolutely uh, letting go talking about letting go right now it's another but yeah. like no, i understand what your bottleneck score was like very low <laughs> no, but, it, but it is obviously uh i mean it's not it's not easy to, it's not easy to do it but i think i think it's the only way to do it because you can't do everything by yourself if you want to really grow i mean it's impossible absolutely, absolutely. but many entrepreneurs still believe it's possible <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you, you're in the business of cutting hair, right? Not a SaaS. It's very important. Not a SaaS, not in tech. So to external eyes like myself, it can be very trivial what you do, perhaps a little bit boring, cutting, cutting hair. You know, nothing really sexy about it. There's a, an abundance of choice. I mean, I used to go to the hairdresser before I had hair. <laughs> but after eight years, and eight years is quite a short time. You've successfully opened and managed more than 140 fully owned salons across five different countries. You employ, like you said, more than uh, 500 staff. And I think your annual revenue is around 40 million euros, if, I, if I'm correct. Now, how do you create a hairdresser brand 
from scratch and turn it into a success like you did in in a short time. Like in life, it's a lot of uh, coincidences. And that we ended up opening exactly this business is also, uh, yeah, I would say quite random. Mm. Uh, so I met my co-founder when I was, uh, I just uh, finished my master in economics and I was uh, moving straight from Norway to Italy, uh, Rome, working for the United Nations. Uh, and there I met the guy that would eventually become my co-founder. Um, and I remember we, I mean, we talked about starting so many uh, strange companies. Uh, <laughs> uh, but none of them actually turned out becoming an actual company. But uh, uh, my co-founder eventually moved back to Japan because he was living in Japan at this time. Okay. Uh, and there he came across uh, a hairdressing concept that he really liked. Uh, so he started to use it. Uh, but every time he went home, he couldn't find anything similar. Mm. Uh, so he started to think about why not try to start something like this. Um, and that's when he called me uh, and asked me if I wanted to uh, open up hair saloons uh, starting in Norway. And I obviously thought that he was joking when he said it the first time. because <laughs> We don't have any experience uh, cutting hair. Yeah. Uh, we had only been talking about I think back in that time, it was really cool to starting all sorts of apps. So that was the things we were mainly talking about. But then suddenly out of nowhere, uh, this uh, hairdressing concept idea came out. Uh, but what we saw was that it was quite interesting because what this concept in Japan had done was that uh, they had just been cutting out all the traditional things you have in a normal saloon. Mm. And what they were left with was a 10-minute haircut. It was only drop-in, and it was a low fixed price, and the same price for men and women. So they okay. had taken away hair washing, uh, hair coloring, all these uh, shelves with products you have in traditional saloons. They've just been cutting it out. Uh, and that makes you being super focused on this one thing you do, and you also get much lower uh, investment costs in your stores uh, and there's so many p positive things you get out of it mm. uh, so they were i mean you have something called uh, i think it's called blue ocean blue ocean strategy which is about creating your own market within an already existing market uh, and one way you can do it is basically to cut out, cut out almost everything you traditionally do in that business and by only focusing on one thing you can scale and expand inside that business without going into direct competition with everyone else. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think they, or it's one of the reasons why they succeeded in Japan. Uh, so we just thought that, okay, let's just try to do something similar. Uh, and I think that's also a very good advice for people thinking about starting their own company. Uh, I mean, you don't have to invent the wheel every time you want yeah. to do something new. You can just look to other countries let yourself be inspired by things that are working uh, and then just try it out. Uh, and that's what we did. And uh, it worked out really good. Right. So the concept was, was really important, I guess. And then, but like you said, you didn't have any experience in the, in hairdressing or haircutting. Sorry. So what other, you know, two or three other lessons that, are, that were really, really important 
in building a company. I think you already mentioned one, which is you uh, had to hire people and make sure that your role was evol evolving, evolving, sorry, as the company was growing. But what else can you tell us? <clears throat> one thing I saw that was, um, well, first, I, I just want to say that I didn't know anything when I started this. Uh, right. So I don't think people have to have all the plans and a perfect document telling everything you should do before you start. I think the way it goes uh, as you start. Uh, and for us also, I saw that it was really good to start your first company in a, in a young age. Uh, and the reason why is uh, that you don't have that much to lose. Mm. Uh, so at least for us, we didn't own anything. Uh, we didn't have an apartment or house or car or boat or cabin. Uh, we didn't have a family. Uh, if nothing worked, we would at least learn a lot. Yeah. Uh, and we had no expectations. I mean, it was no one expecting us to succeed with this stupid idea. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but we could only win. So yeah. we, we could only win. Um, so I think actually just starting a company, because you learn so much also from doing it, starting a company in a young age is really good. Uh, and if you're already uh, older and thinking, oh, it's too late for me, uh, I mean, the statistics is also quite clear. Uh, almost the, old, the older you get, the higher the chances are of, of succeeding. So I think, it's, uh, first of all, it's always a good opportunity to just start your own company. Uh, and one thing I saw is also the importance of believing in uh, the concept. Uh, so we actually, I mean, when I was quitting my job uh, in Rome, Italy, I really believe that we could build the biggest hair salon chain in the world. Uh, and when I'm talking about it now, it sounds quite silly. It sounds naive, uh, but I'm extremely glad that we actually believed so much in it mm. uh, because how can you convince other people? How can you convince customers? How can you convince people to start working for you if you don't actually believe it in yourself? I mean, you can try to fake it, but it will not work. You have to believe in it yourself. Uh, and it was, I mean, I remember the first uh, day after the opening of the first store, uh, we were having office in the basement of the store. And uh, uh, obviously with those kind of ex expectations, uh, it didn't turn out to be as successful uh, the opening as we thought. <laughs> uh, I, I remember my co-founder, he came down in the basement and he was really sad. Uh, yeah. And eventually, eventually he was actually saying that, he was saying, uh, Christian, uh, I can't take this anymore. I'm I'm quitting. Mm. Um, and he meant it. And um, I was quite shocked, uh, but mostly I was angry because I had been quitting my job moving back to Norway uh, and we had just started. Um, so at that point he, uh, he went home and I was screaming something like, okay, I'm going to do this, do this shit on my own. Um, but then he came back the next morning and everything was fine again. Uh, right. So I think also that the fact that we were two people and that we could uh, support each other uh, was also really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a few ones and uh, I have many ones, but it's, I mean, it's so many learning points you learn uh, and you learn as you go. And I also think that some of the advices you get will work for some people uh, and not for uh, someone else. So it's like, it's not one, I don't think it's one answer or one recipe to follow to succeed. I think it's many ways 
to follow to succeed with your company? Yeah, absolutely. Because the entrepreneur is is unique, right? You, if it was some somebody else uh, launching this concept, maybe it would have turned dif- differently. In yeah, terms exactly. of the way it is, because because of who you are, I think. Yeah, yeah and and that's that's also one thing uh, that I remember, which I also think it's quite typical uh, when you start your first company, uh, and that is that you're extremely afraid. Uh, that people will steal your idea. Mm. And we were also one of those. Um, and I remember one day when we were when we lived in Rome, uh, we first had an idea to start an app that was connecting new people in new cities, basically solving our own problem in a new city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were so afraid that people would steal our idea. Uh, so I remember we were talking to this Italian developer and we just wanted to figure out if he could do that type of job. Uh, but we were afraid that he would steal idea. So we came up with a cover concept, which was uh, this dog sitting uh, app, uh, just because we were so afraid that he would steal it. Yeah. Uh, and also when we also when we started Cutters, we gave people these NDA contracts that they had to sign for us to talk to them. And it's I mean, it's so stupid because uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it's not about idea. It's about how you implement and how you yeah. actually do do the work. I mean, exactly. that's what matters. But, uh, but yeah, you I mean, up every day. Yeah, to the energy to do it. You have to, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 uh, I saw. I think it was someone talking about it. I think a coach or something like that. It was saying on the instead of being afraid, on the contrary, you should approach as many people as you can and talk about your ideas so that you can steal the ideas <laughs> and test and test your concept <laughs> to make it even to make yeah, it. Yeah, even but also better. just talking to people uh, gives you new ideas and maybe they know some people that it's nice for you to talk to and it gives okay. you new opportunities. So, so yeah, exactly. Don't stay isolated. Reach out, reach out to people. Talk about your concept, of course. I'm curious, uh, with COVID-19, when COVID-19 hit, because what you do is, like I said, it's not a startup, it's not a SaaS, it's a physical outlet with people. How did you manage COVID-19, the COVID-19 period? It was, uh, I mean, it was a tough period. Mm. Uh, Up until then, we had only been thinking about growth. That was Mm. the only thing we talked about. Uh, How many stores is it? possible to open every single year? How many countries can we expand to? Uh, that was the only focus. Uh, and then one day we, um, I think we heard it on the news uh, that we had three hours to shut down all of our stores, uh, which is just totally crazy. Yeah. Uh, so then you just have to change mindset from going to thinking about growth to thinking about how, first of all, how do you take care of all the people? Uh, you have to do layoffs. We have to lay off everyone in the company. Uh, you have wow. to start cutting as ma- ma- much costs as possible because uh, your revenue goes uh, down to zero, but your costs are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone understands that that's not uh, possible to do in the long run. Uh, and we didn't know for how long this would last. Uh, and the first shutdown was for six weeks, uh, then we were able to open up again. Uh, but we never knew what tomorrow would bring. Yeah, you never knew what the situation would be. I mean, if we would have, 
if we would have known it, it would have been easier to plan for the things, but we never knew if we would be open tomorrow, tomorrow or if we would, we would be shut down. Uh, and this was lasting like this on and off for a bit more than two years. Uh, and looking at it uh, now, it's just totally crazy that it's possible to have a situation like this. And it's it's obviously not very easy to plan for something like this. Uh, so it was a it was a really tough time. Um, we obviously had to stop growing as much as we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the year before the pandemic, we opened forty saloons uh, in one single year. We wanted to double it the next year. Yeah, uh, but we ended up doing things we had never planned doing because of this happening. Uh, but we came through it, uh, and it's a really. I mean, it was a really good experience, uh, and it's also very different running a company in an environment where we, you are just growing, uh, and then suddenly uh, leading a company in a totally different environment, where it's much more, it's much more uh, negativity. So you have to be much yeah. more aware of what you do, how you work with people. Uh, I mean, it was a big test. Uh, we managed to go through it. Uh, and I've, it's it's also learned me that, yeah, I mean, you can have crazy events like this that can just totally change the life of yourself and people around you. Uh, because up until that, this I had never experienced any like events like this. So, uh, yeah, yeah, many many of us. Yeah. yeah. If it happens again, what would you do? You know, I think it's uh, difficult because if. If exactly this would happen, then you know it. But the next thing, something like this happened. The whole thing is that the whole, the whole thing with this uh, event was that no one knew that what would happen tomorrow. So, yeah, I mean, you actually don't know. So it's hard for me to say if exactly the same thing would happen. Okay, then we would know. But then it's not that type of crazy event. Uh, I think the challenging thing is when things when new things happen that have never happened before. That's a really hard part. Um, and my biggest, uh, I think my biggest surprise was how long time it took uh, and how time, a long time it can last. But, um, but yeah, I mean, maybe one, uh, maybe one thing I can mention that uh, I've taken out of it is that, um, I mean, if you have been, uh, building up things for yourself, you can lose everything in one day. It's actually possible. It didn't happen with us, uh, but it is possible if you have everything uh, at one place. Mm. Uh, you haven't diversified. You can actually end up losing everything by uh, an event like this, or like some, or for instance, another event. Yeah, it's a very good uh, reminder. Makes you uh, humble, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the company, your company, would be uh, bigger if uh, COVID nineteen had not happened? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's two years. Uh, we've been delayed with uh, at least two years. Yeah, mm. for sure. So, um, yeah, no, no, I mean, no doubts. We um, it was hard to be uh, this crazy expanding uh, yeah. physical store company when uh, when when it, we're not allowed to have open. So, and we also, I mean, uh, up until this, we had also, I mean, we had stores in Norway, Sweden, and Finland uh, at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had also just launched in the Netherlands and the Denmark. 
uh, but we had to shut down the stores we had opened in the Netherlands and Denmark uh, because we had just launched them and we were not able to follow it up. We were not able to travel to the country. Yeah, <laughs> we were not able to to even go there. So yeah, it, it was impossible. So we shut down those two countries right away. Uh, but I hope that we can open it up again uh, now as uh, things have normalized uh, a bit more. Mm. Right, let's let's turn to you, the uh, the entrepreneur. How has entrepreneurship transformed you? It's a good question. Good. I, I, <laughs> I would say I've learned a lot, um, but at the same time, uh, I've also been able to take some of the things I was using uh, when I was younger. Mm. Uh, so before I started this company, I um, or between that, I obviously uh, did my master's in uh, economics, but. Uh, when I was younger, my dream was to become a professional ice hockey player. So basically everything I did in my life was uh, all about becoming as good as possible. Mm. Uh, I was working out all the time. Uh, the only thing I was focusing was this. Uh, and I think obviously it didn't work out uh, as planned. Mm. Um, but it's opening up new opportunities. But I think you can bring a lot of that same mindset into starting a business. So it's basically the same. You want to set some goals and then you want to do everything possible you can to achieve those goals. Uh, and then you know that you can't do it on your own. So you need team players to help you uh, and you help them achieving the goals. Uh, and then obviously I've learned, yeah, I mean, I've learned so many things. We've done a lot of mistakes. Uh, but one thing that uh, I'm extremely happy that I've been focusing on when uh, I became an entrepreneur is to try to take care of yourself. Uh, and I think this also helped me a lot during the pandemic also, because that was a quite tough time. Uh, and I've seen so many of my colleagues uh, being burned out uh, yeah. from work. Uh, and it's... Um, I mean, it's sad, but it's um, it's quite common that people get burned out at some point. But at the same time, you can understand it because it's possible to reach you 24-7. Mm -hmm. uh, you go some uh, years back in time, it was not anything called social media. You didn't have internet. Uh, you didn't have even a phone. So it was just impossible to get in contact with you all the time. But now, unless you set some limits, unless you also focus on your own health, uh, it's uh, quite easy to get burned out at some point. So I was very glad that I had focused on a lot of these things, especially when the pandemic came. And I think that's also helped me a lot during the journey. And uh, yeah. What are like a couple of uh, practical things that you do to take care of yourself or to set up the limits, like you said? Yeah. I mean, I, like the, the obvious ones uh, that I think everyone just knows is just to eat healthy, not drinking a lot of alcohol, uh, getting enough sleep. Yeah. Uh, th those things, I think everyone knows about them, but... Uh, doesn't mean they do it. <laughs> it doesn't mean they do it, but uh, I mean, it, uh, but it's helping a lot. Um, but but I'm, I'm also, as a person, quite open and I like to try new things. And if it mm -hmm. works... I'm just stopping stopping with it. Now, if it works, I continue. If it doesn't work, I just stop doing it. Uh, but one thing that um, was quite interesting was that I was reading a lot of books. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was so many of them that, that was recommending not 
reading mainstream media. So eventually I decided to try for one week to not read any mainstream media. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't, uh, I mean, you can listen to, for instance, specific podcasts. You can uh, read specific uh, papers, books, etc. Uh, but yeah. not read not the typical mainstream media where it's mainly just yeah negativity wow. and uh, bullshit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So so I tried it, uh, and it was so amazing. Uh, and I even got to know everything going on in the world. Anyway, I just didn't get all the negativity all the time. Uh, and also, a lot of people use a lot of time scrolling these uh, digital newspapers every single day. Uh, so I think that's that helped me a lot. At the same time, I was starting to do meditation. Mm. Uh, so that helped me making a difference between myself and how I was performing as an entrepreneur. And this, I had a lot of struggles with when I was playing ice hockey, for instance. Mm. So I, so at that point, I thought that I was the ice hockey player. And what, mm. what's happening then is that if you have a good practice, you will get really happy. But if yeah. you have a, but if you have a bad practice, which you will have a lot of times, you will get really sad. And that will yeah. also affect you as a person. It will also affect how you come into the next practice because then you will be low on self-confidence if you think that you are that uh, ice hockey player. Yeah. Uh, and meditation, uh, I think that's the most important thing meditation has learned me, that I am not what I am working with necessarily. So I am not the founder. So. I can have a good day. I can have, I can feeling well, even though the company has a shitty day. Yeah. And that's also help, helping me doing a better job when it's needed. Um, so what you're saying is that you've learned to detach yourself. Yeah, exactly. From, from your daily job, which is being the, the entrepreneur. Yeah. You, you're something, you're something more and other than the job and the things you are doing basically. Yeah, which is Great. obviously very uh, is is very difficult, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's helped me a lot, uh, definitely. And uh, and then I also just stopped watching TV. If you think you have, <laughs> if you think you don't have enough time during your day, just don't watch TV. It's uh, <laughs> you'll get so much time for everything yeah. else. It's 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 true. But great yeah. great points, great advice. Uh, thank you, thank you for sharing. Uh, actually, uh gonna remember to detach myself from my work sometimes i don't do that enough <laughs> and hence when i do that you know what happens i become the bottleneck in my own business <laughs> which is easy because i'm a business of two <laughs> i'm talking about being uh, the bottleneck in your business i asked you to take the bottleneck uh, index your score was pretty low 25 percent which is pretty good and I, honestly i'm not surprised hearing you talking right now except on one thing which is strategic this is where you scored the uh, the worst I, I would say was that accurate by the way i mean uh, it could be if your test is really good it's probably accurate so <laughs> <laughs> this is really good of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does he mean for you strategic thinking what do you think uh you scored the the the, the least i'm not quite sure but i know that uh i've been very uh or as we have been growing, and I think that's the case for a lot of companies, you can always start new things all mm. the time. Mm. We could, for instance, 
start doing hair coloring. We could, for instance, start selling more products online. Uh, we could start doing other types of services. Uh, we could go into the beauty industry in general. We could do a lot of things. But I know that I've been very clear that at least as long as the business we have is working really well, uh, we should rather just focus on doing that uh, and then just scaling that as much as possible and then just being extremely good at what we do. Uh, and then when the day comes that that's not working anymore, okay, let's then look at new things. Uh, so I know, that, I know that I've been very clear on that historically. So could be something around that that I haven't been willing uh, maybe to look that much into changing uh, what we had since it was working that good. And um, maybe that's the reason why it's coming out as a higher score on it. I don't know. Yeah. But now that you step up as a CEO, you're going to have more time to do that. Yeah, I have more time to do it, uh, obviously. And uh, it's also important that the people in the company uh, can come up with their own suggestions and recommendations also. Mm. Uh, so I think it's important that they know that they are the ones now running the business. They are deciding. Mm. Uh, and obviously we in the board can say yes or no to suggestions. We can come with uh, our own suggestions. Uh, but I think at the same time, it's important that they also know that it's it's them now that is running the company. And that's a reason why we have them in the positions. Yeah. Because we want them to run the company. We know that they're good at uh, their own positions. Absolutely. All right, it's time to wrap up this conversation with my favorite question. Take all your experience and summarize it into one practical recommendation for other entrepreneurs. What would it be? You know, I'm going to take, um, I'm going to go for uh, one that is related to surrounding yourself with uh, other people. Mm. Uh, and it's a saying that you become an average of your five nearest people. Yeah. And I think actually it's something in it. Uh, so the people you decide to spend time with will affect you in a very big way, uh, either you like it or not. Uh, and if you want to succeed in, I mean, it can be a business, it can be totally other things. If you want to succeed in something, it's so much easier to succeed in it. If you surround yourself with people that's been doing exactly what, what you want to achieve. Mm. Uh, as an example, we did, the, we did this when we started the company. We spent a lot of time with people that had start, started their own companies uh, and been very successful with it. Uh, and that learned us a lot, uh, but maybe even more important, it showed us that it's possible to do it. So if someone else can do it that you're now spending time with, if they have done it, why can't you also do it? Uh, and at the same time, they know how you can do it. So um, I think I'm going to go for that one. And uh, yeah, it helped me a lot. Uh, and I think it can help you in almost every situation you are in. Absolutely. Completely concur with you. Great, Christian. Thank you very much for this, uh, this time. It was really interesting. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about entrepreneurship and Botamex. You can go even further. Download my ebook, Eight Tactics to Thrive as an Entrepreneur to Propel Your Business Forward and Tackle Your Botamex head on. 
you'll find it on my website laurentnotin.com forward slash get my ebook easy i'll see you next time bye for now